Hello, my name is Leszek Jaszewski. Welcome to the Liberal Europe podcast, a European Liberal Forum project. I hope you'll enjoy our program. Hello and welcome to Liberal Europe podcast. My name is Leszek Jaszewski and I have a great pleasure to talk today to the very good friend and colleague Peter Kreko, who is a social psychologist and a political scientist and also a director of Political Capital Institute based in Budapest and a senior fellow at the Center for European Policy Analysis. Hello, Peter. Thank you for coming to the show. Hi, Leszek. Good to meet you at least via audio. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great opportunity, even if not perhaps the best of times. So uh, we there are Hungarian elections uh, on Sunday and I thought that we would talk on a very different note when I was planning this, uh, well, really a long time back. What happened that since uh, October, uh, when the polls showed that uh, United Opposition can beat Orban now, I think almost all or if not all the polls are showing that Orban will win and perhaps with quite a big margin. What happened in this couple of months that that Orban is perhaps destined to, to win again? Yeah, this is the crucially important question because it's like not a determinism that Orban has to win all the elections in Hungary. And after that primary in Hungary where the where the different candidates for the challenger of Viktor Orban have openly held debates in Hungary and it mobilized the opposition electorate big time, there were primaries both for the candidate for prime minister and also for the uh, candidates uh, who are the challengers of Fidesz in the individual constituencies. And it really gave a momentum for the opposition. Unfortunately, the opposition afterwards failed to to use this momentum uh, to boost uh, its popularity. And and, uh, there was I think a rather long pause um, for for the for the campaigning of the opposition. And, Why? Uh, Why was such a long pause? Um, first of time? all, you have to understand that it's a highly complicated structure on the Hungarian opposition side. It's six parties having a joint party list. They are just having a joint party list because they have to. The Hungarian electoral system that was modified by Fidesz. In uh, after 2010, uh, has a single round first past the post electoral system, which means that even on the individual constituencies and also on the level of parties, uh, so the 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 on the party list, you have to be united if you want to challenge Fidesz. But it's more a marriage of convenience than a marriage of love, and as a result of that, uh, you can see that. There are still tensions on the opposition side. And uh, to add something more to that, uh, the challenge of Viktor Orban, Peter Markiza, is an outsider of all the six parties. So it's a seventh player uh, in the in the picture. And uh, there there is some reluctance from some opposition parties to throw all their weight behind the current uh, candidate for prime minister. And there are some rivalries between the opposition uh, parties. Uh, but of course, we shouldn't bury the opposition now because let's see the election results on this April. And you're right that that all the polls predict a majority for 
less, but uh, there are there are quite a lot of differences between different pollsters on how big this majority is predicted. And what we do not know is how much the war had an impact on on the willingness of voters to genuinely and sincerely express their public uh, their their opinion to the pollster. And there might be that there are some hiding opposition voters or some mimicry in the polls. So let's see for the Sunday electoral results. But but you're right that right now it seems like Orban will gain one more term, even if not with a two-thirds and a constitutional majority, but a single majority. So before we try to disseminate the, 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 the reasons and, and strategy and perhaps the candidates, but I would like to ask about well, what's on everybody's minds today. So how is it possible that uh, being the you know the best mate of, of Mr. Putin, Orban now still is kind of like holding his ground. He's not really uh, well. He, he he's not really withdrawing from his support to Putin. Maybe he's less vocal about it. And how it is kind of received in Hungary? Because you know in, uh, at least in, in Poland there is a stereotype that you know Hungary is the country which suffered a lot from the, uh, you know, 1956 and in general from the Russian occupation. And that's, uh, I think this communist part plays also a significant, is a significant, uh, you know, memory also held dear by some of the Fidesz voters and by Mr. Orban himself. This Russian alliance, especially now, seems extremely extraordinary and still it doesn't influence the the polls. How how is the the war perceived in Hungary, and how do you think it can influence the the outcome of the elections? Yes, this is this is very important. The um, and and coming back to your previous question, this is one reason why Orbán is right now leading the polls. It's not just like Orbán could uh, keep its popularity, but could rather boost a bit its advantage against the uh, opposition bloc as a result of the war. And it, yeah, it really does not seem to be uh, self-evident why uh, it happened. I, I would highlight two main factors. First of all, Orban is educating his voter base since 2010 to like Russia more and to dislike Ukraine more. And right now what we can see is, and, and it would be the second point, that since the beginning of the war, the Hungarian pro-governmental media is the major source of disinformation about the uh, invasion of Russia against Ukraine, with a lot of narratives blaming the victim, Ukraine in this case, why Ukraine did not guarantee the security of Russia, which is quite an absurd statement with, with you know, yeah. fake news on how Ukraine was developing nuclear weapons and it was in their final stage and things like that. Also blaming the West, uh, why NATO expanded that much, why NATO did not uh, take into consideration the security uh, needs of, of Russia, and also trying to paint the aggressor, the victim. So uh, with, with spreading the fabricated stories on genocide in the Donbass and so on. So you see the whole spectrum of uh, Russian disinformation directly in the governmental communication, also in the speeches of Viktor Orban himself, who told recently that uh, this is not our war. 
and the ones who provoked the war on the East and West uh, should put an end to that, and also saying that Ukraine and, and Russia should negotiate the, their territorial needs, as if negotiations have been so successful in, in dealing with, with Russia. So uh, if you have a huge overdominance in the media, and the government has it, your ability to shape the public opinion can even overwrite important historical experiences that you just mentioned. And, and unfortunately, we can see that in the last uh, 12 years, Fidesz has become the most pro-Russian voting uh, camp in Hungary, while before uh, Viktor Orban returned to power in 2010, uh, Fidesz voters were the most hostile uh, against Russia. And already back to 2008, in the uh, time of the Russian invasion of Georgia, Viktor Orban thought, for example, that Georgia and Ukraine should join NATO as soon as possible so that to avoid uh, conflicts like this in the future. So there was a huge shift and uh, Viktor Orban is a classical charismatic populist leader in the sense that he can educate his voters and change their public opinion. Uh, what is important to note, though, is that as a result of, of this very uh, bizarre campaign, and you're right that Hungary is an outlier in this sense, and we can go into details about how, but we can have a, um, we can see it obviously in the polls that Fidesz voter camp is, is confused with relative majority, 43% of the Fidesz electorate, according to, the new, to a new poll, saying that Russia is just defending itself uh, and, and it's a justified war of self-defense. And 37% of Fidesz voters say that this is an unjust war and an aggression against uh, Ukraine. But if you, we take a look at the opposition camp and also if we take a look at the whole public opinion in Hungary, in the overall electorate, 55% says that it is an unjust war against Ukraine. So the majority of the Hungarian public opinion still see who is the victim and who is the perpetrator. But uh, the uh, government rhetoric would like to relativize it as much as uh, possible. And, and yeah, what we can see in Hungary, I think it's a social psychological experiment on a whole country. If you have a huge dominance on the public domain, it's the Hungarian, how to say, public space is a bit of Orwellian, uh, then you have, I would not say unlimited, but, but very strong opportunities to shape the public opinion to your interest. And one last point, Orban has two messages now, and it resonates with the his voter base that consists a lot of uh, let's say, uh, worse off voters and pensioners. First is that we do not want to enter into the war. The opposition is of warmongers. The government is of peacemakers. So let's vote for peace instead of war. Second, if you want cheap gas, then you have to vote for us because if the uh, government is not continuing its work, then the opposition will uh, will abolish the cap on the gas prices, which would mean huge skyrocketing of, of prices. And these two messages seem to resonate to, uh, uh, to the voters of the governing party. Right. It seems that in, in, the terms, in the times of crisis, people 
choose less uncertainty, even if it's not the loved options or the, the, the you know, the best options. They, they go for something that at least they know. And I suppose that uh, what you described earlier, this uh, <clears throat> very broad camp of the opposition, which didn't you know, rule for a quite long, long time with, well, a uh, leader who is not <clears throat> also uh, perhaps until he, he decided to run, you know, the, one of the uh, most experienced politicians with the national uh, level of, of experience. Uh, I think all this comes together, could perhaps uh, be in favor of Mr. Orban. What I'm wondering about, because I would like to come back to the disinformation uh, issues in the end of, the, uh, of our talk, but it, does it, uh, this, this situation, does it change the kind of equilibrium around East-West, uh, illiberal democracy, liberal democracy kind of question in Hungary? Because it seems now that being at the outskirts of the of the EU, with the border uh, with uh, with Ukraine, where is the war? I mean, th there is a pressure to try to be more in the mainstream of the of the West. And Orbán was very much distancing himself. And I'm wondering whether this this changed the the approach of Fidesz, or does it change the approach of the uh, of the voters, so that perhaps even if Orban wins, uh, which is quite likely, he would have to change his course to more mainstream European politics. How, how, how do you read it? Very, very important point. And I have to clarify here one thing is that Orban's rhetoric is way more problematic than the behavior of Hungary as a state. Uh, in most of the important decisions, Hungary is following the Euro-Atlantic mainstream. Orban have supported four rounds of sanctions already in the European Council. And with, with uh, in some cases, for example, the sanction, the swift sanctions against some Russian banks, Hungary was not even the last who gave up its hesitant position. It was more Germany. Also, Hungary supported in the last NATO summit, inviting NATO troops to Hungarian territory, something that Orban had previously strongly rejected. Also, Hungary have uh, supported, of course, it's more of a symbolic thing at the moment, but the extension, expansion of, of the European Union and giving Ukraine a candidate uh, status for EU membership. So all these, all these steps have, and, and also one more thing, Hungary welcomes Ukrainian refugees as well, not just Hungarian ones where there have been fears beforehand that there will be a nationalist double standard in, in the relation in, in how the migrants are treated. Uh, so I think these are important steps already. When it comes to the outlierism of Orban, he, Hungary have not left International Investment Bank. Uh, it is practically, it was a cover bank for for the KGB uh, before the uh, collapse of the Soviet Union. And it still is a quite shady institution that is located to Budapest. And, uh, and while all of these Central Eastern European countries, including Romania, including Slovakia, including Bulgaria, Czech Republic, announced that they will step out of this bank, Hungary remained. Also, Hungary as the only member state does not support direct uh, weapon supplies to Ukraine and bringing it through its territory directly. So these are important differences, but when it comes to the big picture, Hungary has not blocked the most important EU decisions so far. But 
at the same time, uh, yes, there is this antagonism with Ukraine right now. In a, I think Hungary probably is the only uh, member state in the European Union and NATO where Zelensky is not cheered as a hero, but rather attacked as an enemy. And right now, the uh, foreign minister and other governmental politicians are spreading disinformation on that Zelensky is cooperating with the opposition and they want to inter Ukraine interferes into Hungarian elections and also that that they agreed of immediate weapons supplies and of of cutting the Russian gas if they come to power. So this is the, the usual fear mongering, but right now using Ukraine as a tool in that it's hard to imagine any more destructive than that for Hungary's diplomatic position. And you're totally right that that Hungary became isolated even in the uh, not just in the Western uh, among Western countries, but in, in the region as well. When when uh, the Polish, the Slovenian and the Czech prime ministers all go to uh, Kiev and the Hungarian not one, he rather goes to Belgrade. When when the meeting of the defense ministers in Poland or can in Budapest is canceled because the Polish and the Czech counterpart uh, both announced that they won't come. So V4 practically became V1 uh, or V3 without Hungary. However, you noted, yes, uh, if Orban stays on power, he should do a very determined correction in the foreign policy course with changing the foreign minister, with changing the rhetoric, with walking Canossa in Brussels, in Berlin, uh, in Paris, uh, in Kiev, I think it is really questionable if Orban will be able to do that. I think the, cho the path he chose is a one-way road. And, uh, and even if he's good in tactical corrections, he's not so good in strategic corrections in, of uh, his scores. And one last thought for that, I think Hungary is an outlier in the sense as well that I'm optimistic about the long-term impact of the Russian war against Ukraine to the Western world. It seems that the West is more united than before. It seems that uh, everyone wants to join EU and NATO, seeing that these, these are the fundamental institutions for the survival of nations if they are close to, to Russia or even distant to Russia, like Ireland and, and others. So I'm rather optimistic about the impact it has, and I think the Western world, the liberal democracies will become stronger as a result of this war. But Hungary obviously plays the outlier in, in, in this equilibrium. Right. <laughs> Speaking of, you mentioned this meeting of, of defense ministers. I, I saw someone posting mm, on Twitter, breaking uh, Visegrad's group. <laughs> so, <laughs> like a break, kind of like a breaking news, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's really a problem for law and justice here in Poland, uh, losing the the major ally, and uh, that's that's interesting developments, which I think wouldn't end, uh, you know, with uh, even with the end of the war, I suppose. But yeah, that... sorry for interrupting. One point, I I think it is a problem for law and justice, but. Law and justice and, and the current Polish government have become closer right now to the EU mainstream with, with Poland's image is way better now than it was, let's say, two months ago. Why for Hungary it's just the rather total opposite. So I think it's it's Hungary becomes more isolated while Poland becomes less isolated and it makes makes a difference beyond 
the breaking in the Dvabra Sanki. Mm, yeah, that's you're, you're absolutely right. And actually, uh, there was something I wanted to ask you uh, about because I saw some some crazy news that one of the ministers, I think it was one of the Ukrainian ministers, was accusing Hungary of of wanting to take over Transcarpathia or Zakarpathia. That was something that in Poland, when I see someone spreading this kind of news, which is happening on the kind of opposition side, accusing the law and justice wants to participate in taking the the you know uh, Lviv and and. It's also it's these kind of crazy ideas made it's by Geertich, Moscow. Geertich's yeah. interpretation, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's one of these guys, and uh, but not you know it's it's European podcast, so let's not let get into the market details of Central European politics. But I wanted to ask you because that seems serious because it came from the from the Ukrainian side. This accusation of of Orban wanting to to make a deal on uh, you know taking care of Transcarpathia uh, which historically was part of the Hungary before and still a lot of Hungarians living there I mean what 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 happened there I mean is is it like is Orban making any kind of like suggestions that that this is the area that Hungary should be you know taking care of like why I mean that that seems like almost like repeating Russian propaganda but it it, it was kind of wild because it came from the Ukrainian government What's what's about the Transcarpathia and, and and Hungary? Yeah, I, I want to be very clear here. I think it's a conspiracy theory, and I give zero credit to that. And you can tell a lot of bad things about the behavior of Hungary these days, but there is no indication whatsoever that it would be a real plan. If you want to somehow interfere into the conflict, uh, yeah, because this theory says that there would be peacekeepers from uh, from Hungary and then from Poland to uh, to to enter into the territory of of Ukraine and then uh, remain there if you want to do that first of all you have to support to a certain extent some military intervention if you are totally against that by rhetoric then it's hard to imagine how to justify that uh, look, our soldiers are moving in the country, first thing. Second thing, uh, the war got Orban totally by surprise. He really did not expect that. And I I don't think he's so good actor that he could just pretend that it came as a surprise. Uh, Everyone on the governmental side were just repeating that no, it's just, you know, American hysteria and Ukrainian hysteria. And let's add, of course, there will be no attack of Russia against Ukraine. So I, I, it, it goes also against this idea that there is a secret deal between uh, Putin and, and Orban. And the third thing, Orban is anything but fool uh, and, and stupid. And, and you should, we should see that, that yeah, he, he might be on a very bad track in assessing the impact of his behavior on foreign policy, and he might overestimate his his ability to correct the, the huge, I would not say sins, uh, mistakes, but sins he commits right now against Ukraine, but he would, he would not go as far to go against practically total NATO position and going into to Ukraine with, with the military. And, and of course, there is this nationalist rhetoric, Orban, when Orban talks about humanitarian aid, he mostly talks about Transcarpathia, even if Hungary gives humanitarian aid to Ukraine as well. But I, I, I don't, I don't give any credit to such speculations. And uh, even if 
we might imagine that Orban once had some, you know, big dreams about he can make history. I, I think he he obviously realizes that it's it would be simply impossible. Right. Yeah. I also think that's the conspiracy theory, and that's actually pretty dangerous that they are spread by, I suppose, well, at least often good-willing people who want to oppose uh, autocratic or, you know, I don't know, pro-Russian regimes, but actually using the propaganda this 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 regimes are spreading pretty openly because it was something that was being leaked at the time when Tusk was um, in, in power, so pretty long time ago. The suggestions that Poland could somehow take care of the Western uh, Ukraine, which would be problematic for uh, for Russia. Uh, so yeah, repeating this as a serious news is actually playing uh, for, uh, well with Kremlin. Uh, exactly, exactly. Uh, and it's, it's from yeah. the Kremlin uh, playbook. And so I think that's that brings us to the to the last question. And actually, I'm I'm, I'm happy we we made this kind of circle to the to the disinformation because uh, recently. Uh, political Capital, your think tank, and the Hungarian Civil Liberties Union uh, filed a joint complaint to the European Commission about the spread of the Russian disinformation through the, uh, well, Duna media, the, the public service, Hungarian public service media, but also, uh, I understand, perhaps for, by other Hungarian media. Uh, can, can, you, can you talk a bit more? Because that's also the question, what could the you know, EU and the, the kind of larger community do uh, to support uh, liberal democracy and uh, liberal democrats in Hungary without, you know, being seen as interferers and 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 devils from the outside. So I think that's that's important that you are using the kind of legal channels that are still uh, left to to try to influence the situation. So can you talk about the the complaint, but also about the kind of wider issue? Uh, perhaps you are asked about it all the time, like what can we do? And uh, I understand your position because this is what I'm doing as well. But what is the outside world can can do to, to support hunger, hunger in this difficult time? Yeah, the reason why we first turned to the Hungarian media authorities and then to the uh, European Commission is that we see that uh, there's a huge danger in what we call the state-sponsored disinformation. So yes, uh, you can you can seize Sputniks and Russia Today's uh, broadcast in the European Union. You can shut down the websites and take them off from the social media sites, which practically have happened uh, since the uh, beginning of the war, or I mean, beginning of the full-scale invasion of uh, Russia against Ukraine. But what you cannot really have an impact on with such measures is that if one EU member state is brainwashing its own people uh, with Russian disinformation using the state media, for example, and this is exactly what's happening in Hungary. There are many examples, and I mentioned them at the very beginning, where it's practical conspiracy theories are spreading disinformation that even Russia today would be envious to, to see. And um, we fight this complaint because we would like to the European public opinion to know that this is a problem in, in Hungary. And I think when, when it comes about the steps of the uh, European Union and NATO against disinformation, there is always a 
comfortable head in the sand strategy. And this is like, let's talk about this information as it was a marginal and as it was an only external factor. And no, uh, the most important problem, I think, in most of the uh, countries is is uh, domestic, homegrown disinformation, state-sponsored right. disinformation. And, and you need political players for that who are ready to disseminate these messages through their own infrastructure and using their own channels. And this is what we can see in Hungary. So if you see some crazy polls about how, as I mentioned, Fidesz electorate uh, have, is, is blaming the victim or the relative majority of the Fidesz, Fidesz electorate is blaming the victim, you have to add into the picture that there is a very strong brainwashing effort from the uh, Hungarian governmental side. And Hungary is not an exception in that respect, I think. Probably you, you you don't see it in that big scale elsewhere in the European Union and from the uh, state media. But in all of the EU countries, you have political forces that use their infrastructure to spread Russian disinformation. And I think at this situation, we, we should talk about this elephant in the room. And uh... Just briefly, what maybe maybe what would you expect after the elections, and what do you think that well situation of the of the people like like you would be after Orban wins again? I, I'm thinking of this with like great sadness, like another you know four or five years wasted, and I mean of course not wasted maybe on personal level, but but you know politically and for the country, it's it seems like the the hope is gone again, and I'm thinking like. Whether, whether this kind of unification of opposition gives you some hopes for the future or you think that in the uh, with the with some kind of foresight people might choose a different leader and that could be a completely different result of the election how would you how, how do you prepare yourself for the for the Sunday elections and what comes later I so I, I prepare myself for the Sunday election with with uh, expectations and it's like I think it's good to claim a certain level of agnosticism before the election. I, I Yeah, we see the polls, uh, it, it paints one picture, but let's, let's see, let's wait for the results before starting to, how to say, spread some very gloomy uh, interpretation. Don't forget that in the last elections, Fidesz, the last election Fidesz gained a two-thirds majority. So I think if the if Fidesz won't have a two-thirds majority, then it's already a progress to, to a certain extent. Mm. And yes, uh, Hungary is a hybrid regime. It's not a democratic country, which means that people have a limited ability to judge the, uh, the situation of the country. And we have to take into consideration, and I think Europe should acknowledge that while Putin is, is outside the European Union, but Putinism is inside the European Union. And this is a this is a, a phenomenon that that it has to fight with. I think what is very important is that even if Orban wins one more election, even if uh, it will be a, an obvious victory, don't lose hope in Hungary because according to all the polls, at least half of the Hungarians do not support Orban's regime. And uh, it's the tricks with the system that creates these outcomes. And also it is very important to amplify voices from Hungary that paint a different picture than the government. And I think it's also very important for Poland. And I think Poland's voice, Poland's voice still matters to keep out this angelic peer pressure from the state level 
but also from the civil society level, from the uh, from the um, opinion leaders, conservatives and liberals, and so on. What what is told in in Poland is still important, and I think when Orban if Orban will win one more term, then the voice of Poland and the pressure of Poland will matter. So let's do not hope, uh, do, do not lose hope in Hungary, and let's keep up to build uh, bilateral relationship beyond state level uh, using the principle and the spirit of Vajpratanki. <laughs> that's a that's a good uh, note to 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 end the the podcast. Thank you, Peter, very much for for being with us and and great insights into the Hungarian politics and the disinformation on which you are an expert. So thanks, thanks, Peter. Peter Kreko was our our guest. Thanks, Thank you. Lashak. Thank you. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And if you like what we are doing and want to help spreading the liberal values. Please give us a 5-star review and share with your friends. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, please share and give us a 5-star review. You will hear from me soon. Until then, please listen to Liberal Europe podcast next week with Ricardo Silvestro.